Hello and welcome to the Stuck Brain Podcast. All things mental health with a different approach. We look at the research, but we also discuss real life experience. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Stuck Brain Podcast. I am your host, Eric Osterland, and in this episode, I have a co-host named Pinky. She is a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. If you want to know more about her, you can go to the stuckbrainpodcast.com. In today's episode, we are talking about loneliness and depression. So please take care when you are listening to the show. If you are feeling lonely or depressed and you need help, we will put some numbers in the show notes that you can call. Thank you for listening. And now let's get started. We have a special episode in store for you today, talking about loneliness. Loneliness has been increasing in our society over the last few decades. Loneliness has been thought to be felt more in today's society for various reasons. Recent surveys have showed that loneliness has actually increased by more than 20% in adults since the 1980s. Now, loneliness is different from social isolation. Loneliness is this subjective feeling of being alone, of not feeling connected to the people and the people around you and the environment around you. Social isolation is not having those connections. So someone may have a very rich social life, have lots of friends and families and connections, but they can still feel lonely. Now, loneliness and social isolation can go hand in hand as well. There can be someone who experiences loneliness and actually doesn't have enough social connections and family and friends to overcome those feelings of loneliness. So what do you make of this? Well, first, I think it's pretty interesting that we had to pull everything apart and we had to define what's loneliness, what's depression, what's social isolation, and what's solitude. One of the research articles talked about back in the day when people would come in and they were lonely, we would characterize them as depression. Correct. Yes. It was a catch-all thing. We just put everybody as depression. And then they started realizing, no, it's actually slightly different. And I'm glad they did because it's important in psychiatry and in the medical field in general to differentiate these things because then you can know the cause and then possibly the solution to help fix it. So if somebody's truly lonely, then maybe antidepressants or stuff to treat depression isn't the right answer. Let's try to figure out what's causing the loneliness. And then there's people that are alone, but they don't feel lonely, right? And I think that's considered solitude. Yeah, that's correct. And when I was doing this research, you know, one of the suggestions was the people that might be in the best place to assess for loneliness are doctors and clinicians. However, loneliness has so many components to it, as we just you know discussed, that even if the problem is identified by a clinician or a physician, what should be done after that? There's just not enough guidelines and suggestions out there on how to combat loneliness. First, you have to figure out what's contributing to that loneliness. I would agree. Because if an individual is lonely because they don't have the ability to go out and connect, like let's say they're stuck at home, they don't have the ability to go somewhere and connect with people, that's slightly different than like you said earlier, where you might be in a group of people and feel lonely. That you might want to attack that problem differently. Like is your attachment style, is that 
can that be changed through therapy and coaching and stuff like that? So you can feel more connected. The different types of loneliness have different treatments for them. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll discuss approaches to combating loneliness later on in the episode. But first, I'd like to touch on the consequences of loneliness. Loneliness is usually experienced as a negative emotion and can have many negative consequences if it becomes chronic and experienced over a period of time. So studies actually show that there's increased mortality risk comparable to that from smoking with loneliness. And loneliness is thought to be as about twice as dangerous as obesity. It can also contribute to increased blood pressure, increased heart rate, of course, a general lower sense of well-being. And with older adults, numerous studies have actually shown that it can actually contribute to cognitive decline, which further feeds into the feeling of loneliness. Yeah, absolutely. And then the easy connection is when you feel lonely for a long period of time, you'll probably turn into a depressive episode at some point. And then that probably feeds each other. And then you feel more depressed that you're lonely. And then you get more lonely because you're feeling depressed. And there's probably that cycle there as well. Yeah. And that cycle kind of has a snowball effect. It gets bigger and bigger. And, you know, once that snowball is big enough, it's just more difficult to manage, especially like you said, if it turns into a major depressive episode or an anxiety disorder. So I was doing some more reading and I saw that evolutionary psychologists speculate that loneliness triggers our basic fight versus flight mechanism. And that makes us kind of stick to our periphery. It's kind of like social anxiety. The more you think about it, the more you think about how lonely you are and how much you want to connect, the more anxious you feel about it, the more your fight and flight kick in and the more you want to avoid the situation. That is so interesting. I never put that together, but that makes sense. So the more anxious you get, the more it increases your sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight. And isn't this interesting that we just did an episode about the sympathetic nervous system? So if you haven't heard that episode, go listen to that because we kind of pulled that apart with anxiety, but that it contributes to loneliness. I would have never put those two together. And it, it makes sense because that's what we see with people with agoraphobia. It starts to stack and build over time. Yeah, absolutely. So another documentary I was watching, the therapist was suggesting one of the things to combat loneliness is just get out, go have lunch with a friend, go grab coffee with a friend. Even if it's a friend you don't like, even if you don't find that friend particularly interesting or you find their company annoying, but if that's the only connection you have, make the effort, go out, have that coffee, connect, communicate. And just by doing that, you've caused a positive change in your brain. You've forced your brain to get through that fight or flight response and adapt to the situation and make yourself grow. And it will affect you in positive ways. That's so interesting because once again, it's correlation to that whole sympathetic nervous system and learning to push through it, engage the parasympathetic like we talked about in the other podcast. Do you know if... And I don't know if it said this in the research that just even making a phone call, I had the thought that if you had to leave the house to go meet somebody, that might be really anxiety provoking. Right. I wonder if just reaching out and making a phone call to a friend that you don't even really want to talk to, but you want to be social. Absolutely. It's all about making that connection and also about initiating. 
a lot of times are, you know, even if we do have social connections, our friends and family have their own lives and they may not be aware that we are feeling lonely. And sometimes it's up to us to make that initial step. Hey, you know, I'm not doing so well. I've been feeling a little lonely. Can we talk for a bit? That brings me to another part of this is the stigma around loneliness. So the stigma with loneliness is so bad that Pinky and I were reading an article and you say his name because I can't get his name right. I think it's Cassiopo, but I can't be sure. Cassiopo, who was a researcher in, in this kind of field, he was reading a book and on the title it said something about loneliness and he actually was embarrassed and felt like he had to cover up the book. And this is a researcher that knows all about loneliness and is probably not that embarrassed embarrassed of it, but he had to try to hide it. So the average person is going to really try to hide it. And I think as a culture and as a society, we need to start talking about this and trying to decrease that stigma of being lonely. Being lonely doesn't mean that you're unlikable because that's usually the first thought that somebody goes to. You know, if I'm lonely, it's because of me. I'm not likable. Nobody wants to be around me. Right. You know, that kind of thing. I think that's very true. Coming to terms with that loneliness might be an experience that many of us go through, especially in today's modern technological world. And as we were talking earlier, sometimes a temporary initial solution is as simple as picking up the phone or even texting a friend, letting them know you need some company. As I was doing my reading, I found that it's not the number of people or the number of connections we have that makes a difference. So it's not the quantity. It's actually the quality of relationships we have. It's being able to connect with someone who knows you, knows your history, connecting with someone who you can depend on and they can depend on you in return. This is what actually adds to the feelings of being wanted, loved, cared for. And the absence of these things is actually what contributes to feeling lonely. That's interesting. I wonder if there's a correlation between adverse childhood events and loneliness. Attachment styles, you know, if you're being neglected as a child, I wonder if that affects your loneliness down the way because you could, like you said, you could have a whole bunch of people around you but not be able to connect to them. And therefore, you could feel lonely in a group of people type of thing. Yeah, that's very true. When we experience traumatic childhood events, um, it's often hard for that child to open up and speak up. And because of this traumatic experience, they may carry that communication method into their adulthood where they don't want to speak up, they don't want to talk, they have a difficult time connecting. And that can definitely contribute to further feelings of loneliness. Well, that makes absolute sense. And so the first step seems like just to push through that uncomfortableness of not being able to reach out to somebody or not being able to talk. Yeah, that would definitely be the first step in establishing relationships and communication with other people. A recent study of Facebook users found that the amount of time you spend on a social network is inversely related to how happy you feel throughout the day. And this is because we're in a society that judges you based on how expansive your social network appears to be. And like you said earlier, loneliness feels very difficult to fess up to. It becomes shameful because you're 
scrolling through Facebook, you're scrolling through your Instagram feed, and everyone's with their families or their friends, they're taking trips, they're doing family activities, and you're constantly comparing yourself to others. And so, yeah, if you're already feeling lonely and you're scrolling through these social media networks, it probably is going to make you feel a lot lonelier just by you comparing yourself to others. And then we have these metrics of this person has 500 friends. And I could see how that would trigger that. Oh, I only have 350. And then we fall into that old paradigm of you're comparing your insides, how you feel internally to your internal environment, to somebody's external environment. Because you're seeing them hang out with all these people and be with celebrities or with family members. And then that would amplify that feeling of loneliness. So it makes sense that our loneliness has gone up over time. And everything you see on your social media feed is not necessarily true. So you really have to take things with a grain of salt. And it's difficult, but try not to compare, like you said, your insides with everyone else's outside. I wonder how this is going to affect the younger generation. Because as an adult, I can now rationalize that. And so I can put some space between the social media and my emotions, or I can regulate myself and hop off social media altogether. So the younger generation, I wonder how they're going to deal with it. Because there are so many more social media platforms. There's TikTok now where you're fed video after video after video after video. Right. I wonder what that's going to do downstream. You know, they're already starting to look at those statistics and it looks very grim. They've looked at studies at tweens and teenagers. And unfortunately, since Instagram and more particularly TikTok starting, the amount of teen and tween suicide rates among girls has significantly increased, and it really is a cause for concern. As a young child or a young adult, you already kind of feel lonely. Most of them are still trying to figure out who they are. They're, you know, they got a lot of hormones, so there's things changing. And then I could see the pressure of all these social media things. And then spiraling and increasing the feeling of loneliness. Absolutely. And I think we've kind of lost our way of instead of finding that validation and acceptance from within or or even uh, even among a group of friends, you know, like when we grew up in high school, kids today are looking for this validation and acceptance online by like buttons or how many followers they have or how many people have commented on their post. And this really isn't a true measure of acceptance and love that you might have in your life. So I think we definitely have to do better as technology advances and being being able to protect the mental health of our children. And then I heard something like the average age on TikTok is like 13, 14 year old. Like, it's pretty young from what I've heard. I don't have any stats on that in front of me, so somebody can verify that and write in if they need to. But it's a younger generation. Yeah, I don't have the stats on it either, but I've heard, like, most of the users are between the ages of 12 and 14, which is so young. So young. And to have that much pressure of putting a post out there and trying to get a lot of likes and it not getting likes and then spiraling out of control. Oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not funny enough. I'm not pretty enough. What are all those thoughts and feelings? And then have nobody there to kind of support you would be difficult. 
So what do you think we can do to combat loneliness in this day and age? I think the first thing I would recommend to anybody is to take that first step. And if you're feeling lonely, tell somebody. Let someone know because you're going to be alone until you tell someone. Correct. And that aloneness is going to get worse and amplify over time. So just say, I'm, I'm feeling lonely. Do you mind talking? Can I talk to you? And pushing yourself through that emotion, not letting that emotion stop you or prevent you from doing it, even if it's bringing up anxiety. Breathe through it. Realize that once I get through this, it will be better. And then keep practicing that of just reaching out via phone, via text. And then if you can just even go to lunch or dinner with somebody, that would be great as well. You know, one thing that's really helpful for me, in addition to letting a loved one know that I might be feeling lonely, is just listening to them. Like, hey, what's going on with you? What's going on in your life? Is there anything I can help you with or I can assist you with? And that gives you a sense of purpose. It creates camaraderie. And it can definitely help contribute to decrease those feelings of loneliness. I would agree. And it could be as simple as like what you just said, just reaching out, what's going on with you? You feel like an active listener, and that would change quite a bit. Other things you could do is you could go to therapy for CBT therapy is really good with loneliness and the thoughts that are attached with it. Yeah, I think CBT would be great, especially if you're not sure what's contributing to you feeling lonely. CBT can help you figure out what exactly is causing you to be feeling lonely, whether it's, you know, social connections or it could be a loss of a family member or illness or, or anything at all. And a therapist would be able to help guide you in what would be the right steps moving forward to help decrease that loneliness. And then even in that therapy session, you can look at your attachment styles. What have I learned when I was a kid to attach and how is that affecting my life? And then slowly build skills around changing that to feel more connected. And I just want to make sure this is clear. Being more connected doesn't mean having more friends. Correct. It could be one friend that you work on the relationship. It doesn't mean that you need 500 to be the popular person on one of the social media platforms. That's right. It's not about quantity. You could have 10 friends, 100 friends, a million followers. But if you don't have at least one or two people that you have healthy relationships with, relationships that you've invested in where you can depend on each other, it's not going to help. It's really the quality of the relationships that matter. Of all the suggestions are out there, I think the main thing is to really invest in your relationships. And when you start to feel lonely, you start to feel yourself kind of drift away from the people you normally talk to and care about, give yourself that push to drift back. Drift back to the people that have carried you and supported you because they will continue to be there for you and you can continue to support them if they are ever going through feelings of loneliness. I love that you use the word invest. Invest is so huge. Invest in those relationships because those are going to pay off downstream. When you're old, you're going to be so happy that you have those that you invested in the relationships because those are the people that are going to be there with you in the end or hard times. So invest in them. I'm glad that you use that term that's perfect. Absolutely. I think that's one of the most beautiful things that I've done for my own life and I actually advise my clients all the time is invest in the relationships in your life because the fruit that you get out of it as life goes on it is absolutely sweet and delicious. Now, I would like to touch on one thing. Social media could help in one or two ways. 
The one positive thing that I like about social media is now it's easier to find people that like hobbies that you like. So you could go to meetup.com and find a hiking group. If you want to get outside, you can find walking group, exercise groups. That's the one part about social media that I like is that you can find people that are interested in what you're interested in. If you're interested in comic books, now you can reach out to people that are interested in comic books, where before it might be really hard to find that population. So that is the one part about social media that I really, really like. I love that you mentioned that. My best friend, actually, I met her via a Facebook group for single moms, and we have been best friends for the last six years. We met because we chatted through the group a lot. We decided to meet up in person. And now we're absolutely inseparable. And I guess I can say I chose to invest in that relationship. And I still have that today. And I'm very grateful for that. I think social media can definitely aid in becoming less lonely as well. You start a conversation. If you feel like you might hit it off with someone, meet them for coffee or lunch and and there, there you go. That could be the beginning of a new, beautiful friendship. We need that as a society. We need to bond with each other. Let's talk about loneliness in the workplace, because I know this issue has come up quite a bit. I see it, especially from COVID era, and we all went virtual. Yeah. So then we had to we had to change from going to work and working with people to working behind a computer and not seeing people. So let's talk about that. The pandemic definitely brought about a big change in the working atmosphere. A lot of us started working from home, and that led to a lack of social interaction, like hey, I can't meet Jack at the water cooler anymore, or I can't have lunch with Selena anymore. And it was very isolating, especially for me, just seeing patient after patient, lunchtime, I'm by myself, I'm just scarfing down a sandwich. So yeah, it definitely contributed to that sense of loneliness, especially when a lot of people do find their social connections through work. I do miss, when I worked in person, I miss the, like you said, the water cooler talk. Like all of a sudden you'd have these random conversations with your coworker and you would learn so much stuff and it wouldn't be about work. It could just be random stuff mm -hmm. that you liked. I do miss that. I think virtual jobs now are slightly changing and they realize that that is an issue. So I think they're trying to adjust for it a little bit and create bonding and socialness through virtual avenues, like having Zoom breakout meetings and stuff like that to help people bond. Yeah, I've definitely heard of companies implementing things like having lunch together on Zoom where you're not talking about work. It's just a social visit. And that can definitely be helpful. There are also some companies that have in-person meetups. And of course, that definitely helps. The problem with the Zoom meetups is now you're spending more time on screen. And if you're already spending so many hours on screen working, it is sometimes difficult to get back on just to you know, communicate with your coworkers. It, sometimes it can feel like one more task. But I think it is important to connect with your coworkers on a level that's away from work. I mean, Zoom fatigue is a real thing. It causes us to be tired and overwhelmed and stressed out. If you're at work and you are feeling lonely and you are working all virtual, a lot of companies now want you to kind of reach out and tell them, hey, I'm, I'm feeling isolated. Is there something we can do about that? And a lot of companies now are starting to work with that and trying to build rapport and build a strong workforce within their job. So reach out. That's the first thing. If you're feeling lonely at work, 
definitely reach out. It's very similar to companies before, the brick-and-mortar companies where you went and worked somewhere. They also want to look out for their employees. There's a reason they made a mandatory lunch break and mandatory 15-minute breaks at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day. Our mind needs a break. We are social beings. Brick-and-mortar companies encourage this, and now the virtual companies are realizing that this is a potential problem, that isolation and loneliness does put people at increased risk for medical problems, and they want the best health of their employees. So they are implementing procedures, putting things in place to help combat the isolation and loneliness. So definitely, if you are feeling that way, it's great to reach out and let your employer know because you may not be the only one. And then things can be put in place for everyone to benefit from. Now, if you have the ability and you're working from home, I would recommend sometimes taking a break and going to a coffee shop or a different location and working remotely. Because sometimes just breaking up the location can help with that feeling of repetitiveness. I'm alone. I'm isolated. So if you have that ability, not everybody has that ability to be able to do that. But if you do, take advantage of it. Work somewhere else. Change up the location. Go places where there's other people to work with them. I think that's a great suggestion. If you do have the ability to go and work somewhere else, I highly encourage you to do that. Not only does it change up your environment and get you out of the house, it also puts you in place to have potential social interaction with the people in that coffee shop or library or wherever you might be. And like I said earlier, even if you don't have the intention to engage with anyone, just being out there, even exchanging a smile with another human being causes positive changes in our brain. That's just so important. So oftentimes when you're working from home, it's difficult to maintain boundaries between work and home life. So let's say you're at home, you're working, and your kids are home too. And they know you're in your office working and there might be little knocks on the door. Hey, mommy. Hey, daddy. And it's so difficult to stay focused, even if they're not knocking on the door. You know your children are out there. Your children know you're in the office. So how do you maintain those boundaries? That is a tough one. I've, I personally have had a hard time with that. I used to work in a hospital. And so I was gone for my you know, 12, 14 hour shift. I would come home and then be able to play with my children. Now that I work from home majority, I actually spend more time with my children, but sometimes my children think that I deny them more often or I'm not spending as much time with them because I have to say, oh, I'm working even though I'm there. Right. So setting that boundary, it's tough. The fact is you are home and you are in front of their face and they want to spend time with you and you you probably are denying them more often than you were before, you know, before you leave in the morning, bye, I'm going to work. And now it's probably several times a day. Oh, I have another meeting I need to go into now. And so children perceive it as well. Daddy just keeps leaving and going to work. He's not spending time with us. But yeah, you're right. I did the same analysis for me where I worked outside in a clinic versus now when I work home and I spend a lot more time with my daughter than I did before, but that's not the way she perceives it either. It's mommy, you're always in your office working. It's so weird because you want to be like, no, I, I'm spending more time with you than I was before. Yeah. But the perception is different. And I think it's because we're having to say no to them. Whereas before, it, that wasn't even an option. 
So to sum everything up, loneliness is definitely becoming a bigger problem in our society today. It can contribute to medical problems, including high blood pressure, cognitive decline. It can increase mortality risks similar to the extent it does for smoking and obesity. It speaks to the importance of needing to address this problem in society today. To combat loneliness, to combat this problem, it's important we identify what's contributing to this situation, whether it's the subjective feeling of loneliness, whether it's the lack of the social connections. If you are, in fact, socially isolated, you may not have means of transportation. But finding out the root cause of the loneliness is very important so that you can begin to tackle the problem and come to a place where you can feel more healthy and engage in relationships and situations that will be fulfilling to you and your quality of life. Life is challenging. Life is hard. There are good times, there are bad times, there are ups, there are downs, but having a strong, healthy support system around you is of the utmost significance and importance and will help you combating any feelings of loneliness that you might be experiencing. So invest in those relationships. And don't be afraid to reach out if you're feeling loneliness. We're, as a group, trying to break that stigma we all at some point feel it. So let's just own it and talk about it and bring it to the surface because that's the best thing we can do as a society and as a group of people. So listeners, I invite you to engage with us and let us know what you do in your daily lives to combat loneliness. How do you overcome this problem? Once again, thank you for listening to our podcast. And those of you that have taken time to leave reviews and contact us through Instagram, thank you. You can see the show notes at stuckbrainpodcast.com. You can also visit us on Instagram at stuckbrainpodcast, and you can leave what topics you want to hear next.